0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your
1: story with us at info at or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us, and enjoy today's service. Well, thank you, Stephen, I appreciate that. If you've been here any, any period of time, you know that the scripture that I probably quote the most is John 10.10. 10. And I quote both parts of that scripture a lot. The first part of that scripture is a thief comes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and the reason we talk about that a lot is because we understand that you have to know your enemy. You have to understand what he's after. And you have to understand how to defend yourself or allow God to defend you. And that's, from that verse, we've uh, developed three different curriculums, spiritual warfare one, two, and three. That's all about how to do warfare uh, against the enemy that is there to destroy you. But then the second part of that verse is that Christ came that we might have life to an abundance. Now, in the NLT, it says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The NIV says, have it to the full, or may have life and have it to the full. But the Amplified Version says, I came that they may have have and enjoy life and have it in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. I mean, that's what we want. That's what we all want. And in 2024, as we're doing this series and finishing this series, Same God Knew Me, we want to make sure that this year we have the most abundant year ever. Nobody would say, I don't want an abundant life. We want that. There's, there's things that we want in this new year that, that are different maybe than we've had in the past. Everybody wants that. Well, some might think that a full satisfying life means you're rich or you're famous or maybe both. Yet rich people don't seem to be fulfilled or satisfied. Rich people are usually stressed and burdened with managing their riches. Famous people don't seem to be satisfied or fulfilled either. In fact, we see so many of these people struggling with drug addiction, relational turmoil. They're usually on some type of medication or in therapy to cope with their fame. You can watch biographies on TV about the rich and famous. People that came up and, and, and had rich, uh, fame thrust upon them, maybe had fortune thrust upon them, and they can't handle it and their life turns in, in such an awful way. It, it just it falls apart. And those people now would say, it would have been better for me to never have all that stuff. It would have been better for me to live paycheck to paycheck. I would have been happier. I would have been more fulfilled. Because those people are after the world's abundance, not God's. A full life is different. A full life isn't about all the things of this world. It's about something more lasting. Well, Jesus gave us a picture of what this full and satisfying life might look like in his own life, but then also in some people's lives in Scripture. Now, we love the Scripture about Jesus going away in the boat and, and, and having his, his buddies with him and the, and the storm comes. Remember that from Matthew chapter 8? The Bible says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. So the first thing that we need to have, or we will have in an abundant life, is a full life makes us storm-resistant. A full life makes us storm resistant. And I love Jesus in this story. He wakes up to a group of screaming, panicking men, and he says, why are you all so scared? You have so little faith. In other words, have you not seen what I can do? Do you not believe who I am? Do you not understand that I'm not going to let you down? You know, see, a lot of times we read this scripture and we think that that Jesus was upset because they just woke him up. He wasn't upset that they woke him up; he was upset of how they why how they woke him up. You see, if if Peter would have just went to him and said, "Lord, Jesus, God, there's a there's a storm, you know, going on. I don't I don't know. You want to come deal with it, or we could use your help on deck, though. Maybe if you could wake up, Jesus would have been fine with that. But he they woke him up, panicking, fearful, afraid of afraid for their lives, and really upset with Jesus because Jesus was sleeping through the storm. But here's the truth. In 2024, I want to be able to sleep in a storm. I want to be able to sleep in a storm. How satisfying would that be? And not not just literal storms, but storms of the heart, storms of circumstances, storms of trials. You see, Jesus had to do this his whole life. From the time his ministry started, he went from one storm to another. If he hadn't learned how to do this, he would have never slept. He would have never been rested. Right? So we have to understand that this this abundant life, man, when storms hit us, we can handle them. Now, for those of you that have been here a few years, we gotta just remember Finn's wise words. Do you remember Finn? The little four-year-old? What did he say? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. God's got you. God's never let you down. God is not going to let you down now. So, a full life makes you storm resistant. Secondly, a full life has a sixth sense. has a sixth sense. Well, what is a sixth sense? A sixth sense is a supposed intuitive faculty giving awareness not explicable in terms of normal perception, which means it's a gift of discernment from God. Okay, That's what it is. The world explains explains it as this sixth sense, but the truth is, it's it's from the Lord. Now, throughout Scripture, you'll see this over and over again through the Gospels, religious people and the government constantly try to trap Jesus in his own words. They try to get him in trouble with the things that he is saying because they want to get rid of him. And Jesus is always one step ahead of them, right? He always knows. He knows what they're really asking. He knows what they're really doing because he has this beautiful discernment. And you can see that through the gospel. You also can see that through the Chosen series if you watch that. And it's really incredible to see how Jesus will not allow these people to get him or back him into a corner. Discernment or a sixth sense says things like, don't sign that. Don't sign it. Have somebody look that over. Have an attorney read it. Take some time. Pray about it. Don't sign it. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say it. I know you want to. I know it's hard for you not to. But don't say it. Don't buy that. Don't buy that. It, it, the Timing's not right. It's rates are too high. We don't have the money right now. It's, it's not going to be a good investment. Don't buy that. Don't date that. They don't believe believe the way you do. They don't have the same morals that you do. Don't settle, right? Don't settle. You're a child of God. You're either a prince or princess of the king of kings. Don't settle. Let God bring somebody into your life. Don't date that. The sixth sense says things like, that's not true. Don't believe that. That's not real. Don't think that, that's a perception, that's not reality. That's a trick. We need to be praying for discernment daily. And discernment can come at the, at the, at the most ideal times. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many times maybe you've been in a situation, you're like, I'm forgetting something. You're on the way to the airport, I, I'm missing something. I don't have my passport, I don't have my ID, I don't have my tickets, I'm, I'm missing something. That's, that's discernment. We were uh, able to go see our exchange students, which I've talked about uh, a lot from this platform. We were able to go see them, and we met them in Italy. And when we were there, we were just hanging out, and we only had the day together, and so we were hanging out in, in Marseille, Marseille, Merseau, whatever it was, Marseille, something. And anyway, we're hanging out in that. I'm so cultured. Uh, we're hanging out in that, in, in that city, and uh, there was this girl that kept walking around. And man, I got this discernment on me, and she was trying to steal from us. And, and, and she actually not only tried to steal from us, but she was trying to steal from some, from, from some people around us. That discernment, how valuable is that, right? Could you imagine if she would have gotten one of our bags? Could you imagine if she would have stolen something that had, you know, our passports in it or whatever? That's discernment, and God will give us that. That's a part of this abundant life that he talks about. Number three, a full life gives you, a super, gives you supernatural wisdom, supernatural wisdom god gave solomon supernatural wisdom and it was the greatest gift he was ever given and he'd been given it all money power women land the most powerful kingdom in the world yet the only thing that gave that gave solomon satisfaction and fulfillment was god's wisdom you see when you have his wisdom you become a a problem solver and being able to solve problems so satisfying right so I have this thing in me that when I face a new challenge, whatever it is, I have to study what that challenge is. So I have to get it online, I have to research it, I have to get books, I have to read them. I have to, for, for me to have peace of mind, I need to be able to know as much as I can know about that particular subject. And here's the thing, you think about the questions that come up in life, new jobs. Should I take this job? I need to research this job. I need to see if I really like this job. Some type of new course that you're supposed to take, new, a new challenge, a new financial burden or blessing, a new prognosis maybe, because challenges aren't always good. I remember uh, when, and I've talked about this from the platform before too, when my dad got uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's or with dementia. The first thing I did was I went to the Internet, and I'm like, what does this mean? What can we expect? What, what can we do? Is there, any, is there anything that we can do to prolong his life? Is there anything that we can do to, to make his life or make him more comfortable? What, what can we do? And so I searched out wisdom that God had put in people and in, in, in knowledge so that I knew better how to handle that situation. Supernatural wisdom is something that we can pray for on a daily basis, and we should. God, give me wisdom today. In every decision I make, in everything I do, you show me what to do, God, because you're way smarter than I am. Bring about resources that I might be able to read and study that will help me answer the questions I have so that I can have peace. Supernatural wisdom, that's, that's a pretty, pretty beautiful part of an abundant life. Number four, a full life gives you sensational relationships. I didn't say a full life gives you relationships. A full life gives you great relationships, sensational relationships. There's nothing like having good friends. And I know that this word is something sometimes it's, it's hard for people because for some of us, we don't, we don't have good friends. But the word is filled with beautiful examples of people who wouldn't have made it without the friends that God had put in their lives. You think about, David might not even have been alive very long if it weren't for Jonathan. Jonathan saved his life. Jonathan warned him. Jonathan loved him. Jesus had these 12 friends that he hung out with for his three years of ministry. And, and he had three in particular, Peter, James, and John, that were his besties, that were on his inner circle, that he needed, that he, he wanted. He was, the, he was the son of God, yet he needed friendships. If maybe you're in a situation right now and you just don't have any. Maybe you're new to Grand Junction. You haven't met friends yet. Maybe you're here at church to meet Christian friends. Or maybe you've tried that over and over again and you have been burnt over and over again by people. That's going to happen. Because people are imperfect. People have problems. Hurting people hurt people. But don't give up. Don't give up on friendships. God will provide friendships in your life, good friendships. And it's happened to all of us. Rebecca and I went through about a 10-year season in ministry where we didn't have friends. And, and part of that was our fault. Part of that was uh, past relationships' faults. But, but we got to a point where we'd been hurt enough where we were like, uh, eh, we're good. We're good, just the two of us. But then loneliness set in, and loneliness hurt worse than the chance of being hurt again. So we put ourselves back out there. And we've had beautiful relationships through the years, but we've had hard ones. We've had great relationships that that basically started when we started at the church 30 years ago, but then we've lost relationships through the years too. And those, those lost relationships were usually filled with some type of hurt, some type of betrayal, but that's part of life. God made relationships for us to have the support that we need when we need it and of course God is always there for us but I love the the pastor that says sometimes we need God with skin on and God will put people in your life that he wants to use to help you so never give up on that that mission statement of Fellowship Church is to connect the unconnected to Jesus Christ and together grow in full devotion to Him. That's always been the mission statement. So, we want to connect people to Jesus, and we want to connect Christians to each other. That's in the mission statement here. So this is a great place to find friends. And we have all kinds of groups that you can get in to do that. All all kinds of courses. Our courses are set up not only for you to get some amazing teaching and and blessing and support for your life, whatever you're going through, but also so you can make friends that will help you get through life. We have retreats. We we, we had a uh, a ladies' retreat um, that happened in November And then we just had one that happened again uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Same retreat, same speakers, same subject matter. But I got to go up for the first one. And it was so cool to see. uh, We had 75 ladies at each. We packed those retreats out, which was just so cool. Uh, But it was so cool to see God working in those ladies' lives. It was so cool to see the worship that would happen and the ministry that took place. But it was incredible to see the relationships that were solidified informed retreats do that getting away from the world and getting away from pressures and getting up in the mountains getting away with just other people that have the same beliefs as you it was incredible and and some of those relationships were already made before they got up there but man they were solidified up there and then some just went up there they had no friends and they needed them and and they found them And we did it again, like I said, just a couple weeks ago with with the same thing. We have a men's retreat coming up in February. Same thing. Guys, put yourself out there. Use the tools of the church to make friendships. Because God wants you to have a full life, but it's hard to have a full life without friendships. Number five, a full life gives you strong restraint. Self-control. We talked about self-control last week, how important that is. And, And we have to hit this daily. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to make sure that we have strong restraint or self-control. That's one of those, those uh, virtues that God gives us to be able to resist the, the devil. Sin, I heard a, a, a pastor say this the other day. Sin stands for self-imposed nuisance. Sin is such a nuisance, and it steals abundant life. But it's self-imposed. And we can be tempted, of course, and, and the devil can put things in our life, and our flesh can act up, and we can make stupid mistakes. But for the most part, it's self-induced. And it causes us problems once it enters into our life. And it steals that abundant life that God has promised for us. And, and there's something so fulfilling. When you're able to, to kick sinful things out of your life, when you can resist them, when you can restrain them, is something so gratifying to that. God wants you to be a victor. God wants you to overcome things in your life. He never wants you to be a victim. He never wants sin to steal the abundant life he died for, for all of us. When you finally beat something, instead of it beating you all the time, it's incredible. Being delivered from something that's had a hold in you for a large part, large part of your life, is so fulfilling and when you can flex that self-control muscle because it's a muscle it has to be worked on a daily basis when you flex that and you show the devil who really is in control of your life the temptation changes now I want to share a story with you. I, I want us to look at how Jesus flexed his muscle, his self-restraint muscle in Scripture. Now, this is the famous Scripture, the, the popular Scripture where Jesus is tempted by Satan himself. And notice here that, that, that Jesus, is, he's tempted by Lucifer. Now, the temptations we face are, are, are from the imps of the devil, from demons, from, way, from, from, from demons that are way less powerful Than Satan but Satan is the one that takes his shot at Jesus and I want to read this out of the message translation I I, I love this translation it says next Jesus was taken into the wild by the spirit for the test the devil was ready to give it Jesus prepared for the test by fasting for 40 days and 40 nights that left him of course in a state of extreme hunger which the devil took advantage of in the first test He says, since you are God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. Now notice here that that Satan knows he's hungry. Satan knows and has been watching and seen him fasting. So he hits him where he's vulnerable. That's what he does to all of us. Satan doesn't tempt us with things that we don't have problems with. He tempts us with things that we struggle with or weaknesses. And that's exactly what he does to Jesus. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Verse 5 says, For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city. He set him on the top of the temple and he said, Since you are God's son, jump. The devil go- goaded him by quoting Psalms 91. He said in quote, this quote, He has placed you in the care of angels. They will catch you so that you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Now, Satan actually misquotes the Scripture. He leaves out a section that, that doesn't suit him. So he takes that particular passage of Scripture out and quotes this passage of Scripture. Have you ever seen anybody do that before? You ever seen anybody that, that takes Scripture and twists it to fit their lifestyle? That takes Scripture and omits certain things so that, that they can prove a point? Well, see, that's, that's Satan's strategy. That's what he does. And that's why people will do that too. So they're just acting the same way that the devil acts when he is trying to justify something that he wants. And that's a whole other message. We could go on for that for a while. Verse 7. Jesus countered with another citation for Deuteronomy. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. See, the big issue that we face as Christians is that the devil knows Scripture better than we do. And probably always will. I don't know that we could ever know Scripture better than Satan. Satan's been around for a long time. He knows Scripture super well. And I don't know that we could ever memorize Scripture and and know it maybe as good as him, but we better know the truths from Scripture. That's why we read the Bible daily. That's why we have that coffee with God. It's, It's not so that maybe we could memorize it all, which if you can memorize Scripture, what a great tool. But let's say you don't. Let's say you can't do that. But when you read Scripture, those pearls sink deep into you to where you know the truth and when you're tempted you may not quote a scripture but you know the truth and here in today's society you can google where something is said in the bible and it comes up just like that you shouldn't have to rely on that but use it right use it don't let the devil work scripture against you verse 8 for the third test the devil took him to a peak of a huge mountain he gestured expansively, pointing out all, over the, uh, uh, out all the earth's kingdoms, how glorious they all were. Then he said, they're yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me, and they're yours. Jesus' refusal was curt. Beat it, Satan. He backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. So he tells him, go away. And then he reinforces it with Scripture. Worship the Lord your God and only Him. Serve Him with absolute single-heartedness. The test was over. The devil left. And in his place, angels, angels came and took care of Jesus' needs. And when we resist the devil, when we fight him, don't you know that when, when we resist and he flees, which is what Scripture promises, that the Lord will send us angels? The Lord will give us a a spirit of peace and comfort when we fight and when we're successful. So a blessed life, an abundant life, helps with restraint. Number six, and and the last point this morning, a full life will help you successfully handle success. A full life will help you successfully handle success. We all want to be successful. We don't ever wake up in the morning and say, man, man, I hope I go out and fail today. It would just be awesome. If I can screw up, if I can just mess my life up, no. We want to be successful. And this doesn't mean that we go out and we try to be rich or famous. We, we just want to succeed at whatever we do. But without God, we won't have the tools to handle the weight of that success when it comes. So understand that there is weight with trials and, and persecution and and, and and conflict, that there's a weight that comes with that, an emotional weight, a spiritual weight. But there's also weight with success. And success's weight is heavier than the weight of failure. And so we need to make sure that we can handle the weight and the blessing when it comes. And here's the biggest problem with people handling success. They don't know how to self-lead. I've seen leaders before, they they can lead thousands. They can lead millions, but they can't lead themselves. We have to lead ourselves. We have to make sure that, that we're doing the things that we need to do to handle the weight. I would probably say the biggest thing that we see in in successful people's life that take them out is just burnout. They don't pace themselves. They don't take breaks. They get addicted maybe to the work and so they work all the time and and, and they just pour all their time and effort into their work and, and they never rest. I mean, that's why the Sabbath was made. God set that as a precedent. He created heaven and the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Do you think God needed to rest? Do you think he made everything and it was like, (sighs) give me a second. No, he did that as an example for us that we would rest. He knows we need rest. Take breaks. Be strategic with that. If you're at work and things are crazy, no matter what you're doing, take a walk jump in the car take a drive take a second to get your breath make sure you're resting on the weekends do something that fills you up on the weekends take vacations guys there's no badge of honor that you can wear that says I have not taken a vacation in ten years No, no no that means that you're not self-leading that means you're gonna crash And we speak this all the time in our marriage seminars. A vacation means you and your wife. Or maybe if you're not married yet, just you. No family. Family's not vacation. They're not. You can have a vacation with your kids, and that can be fun, but it's also draining. But there is something that happens when you get alone and go on vacation or you get alone with your spouse and you go on vacation. There's nothing that will fill you up more but you got to make plans to do it. We recommend you do at least one week vacation with just your spouse or a week alone. And, I, you know, if you're single, I understand that. So, you know, you go with a friend, you want to go with a family member that doesn't drain you, that's fine. But who you vacation with has to fill you up. Don't let your sanguine spouse book vacations with friends that drain you. That's not a vacation. That's paying to get drained. You don't want to do that. The vacation should be strategic. It should be there to, to fill you up. Watch your tanks. Okay, how, how many times have we taught on this? You have three tanks. You have a spiritual tank. got to make sure that you fill that. It's filled with spending time with the Lord. It's filled with spending time in worship. It's filled with going to church. It's filled with serving God spiritual tank your, your emotional tank is filled with hanging out with people that you enjoy hanging out with and doing activities that you enjoy doing if you hang out with people you don't enjoy being with and you're doing activities that you don't enjoy it drains your tank and then your physical tank get enough sleep work out eat right okay, that's self-leadership That's something that you have to do to be able to handle the success and the blessing and the abundance that God wants to put into your life. Jesus built a kingdom without destroying his temple. We have to do the same. We have to learn to do the same. Now, here's the thing, guys. 2024 could be the best year of your life, right, if you partner with God. He loves you. He wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you live an abundant life. He wants to see you joyful and filled with joy. But we got to partner with him. So, God, we just come before you now, and we love you. And we thank you that you want us to have an abundant life. You could be the type of God that wouldn't want that for his kids, but you do. Lord, I pray that you would just bless each and every person in this room with an abundant life. Help us to be storm-resistant. God, when things hit us, we'll be able to handle it. Give us discernment. Give us supernatural wisdom. Give us great relationship. Give us restraint. And help us to be able to handle success when it comes. Help us to be able to self-lead. And we'll give you all the praise and honor for it, God. Because it's all because of you. If we have any success in our life, it's because of you, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Okay, guys, now next week we start a new series. It's called Unleash. And I'm super excited, especially about this first week. We've had so many people since the uh, Any Questions series that we did, so many people say, hey, you don't talk enough about the tribulation." You don't talk enough about what's going to happen in the tribulation. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what's going to happen in the tribulation, but we're going to find the hope in that. Next week is Unleash Hope. So don't miss it. Make sure you guys come back. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not yet made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved and you can do that right now. I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've made mistakes and I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again. Come and be the Lord of my life and lead me from this day forward. Thank you for giving me a home forever in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to invite you to text 94000 with the word heaven. And this will put you in touch with one of our pastors and we can celebrate with you and answer any questions you might have. Also, if you're in need of prayer about anything, you can submit your prayer requests to us by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you in prayer. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or you just want to learn more about one of the ministries, text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can call us at any time at 970-245-PRAY with any questions you might have. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week, either online or in person.